hello, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 259 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero for Ring Magazine, ringtv.com, and of course, the Ring Digital YouTube channel, where you guys are watching me live right now. As always, I remind you, please, 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 please make sure you're subscribed to the Ring Digital. Make sure you click on the notification bell. And it's worth it to check every now and then to make sure that you're still subscribed because YouTube loves unsubscribing people. It's the craziest thing. So check in every now and then to make sure of that. Also, uh, my audio podcast is released 24 hours after the live video. So you get the video here on the Ring Digital YouTube channel on Monday. And then on Tuesday, you guys get the audio podcast on my platforms montero unboxing all over the world okay so uh that's where you look for me if you're just looking for the audio podcast that comes out 24 hours later few of you guys have asked about that uh this is tnc 259 for the week of march 27th and we're going to have a couple guests on here in a little bit waiting for them to join on uh terry moss and rob butler uh, the promoter is putting on a show here in Atlanta next Saturday. I've met Terry a few times. She owns a gym here in Atlanta called Buckhead Fight Club. Uh, former fighter herself, and Rob Butler does uh, RB3 Sports. This is his company. He's originally out of Ohio. These guys are putting on a show here April 3rd. And uh, Terry just had a show here last weekend. She's uh, starting to get busy again. And one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, in the world of, uh, you know, post-COVID, I guess we're still in the COVID world. I don't know how to word that. Post-pandemic, or maybe we're coming to the tail end of the pandemic, however you want to word it. Uh, you've seen a lot of promoters move shows to the South, man. Uh, we'll talk about it in news and notes. Uh, Canelo Saunders just announced that that is going to Texas at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, which, of course, is right, I think, uh, west of Dallas. I was just down there for a fight. It looks like I'll be going back there pretty soon. I was just in Florida for a fight, uh, another Canelo fight, when you fought Yodiram. So uh, and Florida just picked up Teofimo Lopez's fight against George Cambosis. Here in Atlanta, we just picked up a big show uh, coming up on Triller, of course, um, Jake Paul's fighting some MMA dude, uh, Ben Askren. I don't know much about him, but the real boxing match on that card, Regis Progre is going up against Ivan Redcatch. That's a good fight. So th these commissions that are open right now are getting shows, right? So we're going to see more and more of that. I think Terry's on. I'm going to try to bring her on to the chat right uh, right now. And then uh, I'm not sure if Rob's going to come on or not. So hang on tight, guys. Sit tight for just one second. Terry, what's up? Can you hear me? There we are. <laughs> How are you doing, Matt? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Hanging in there. Yeah, I know you're probably running around like crazy. You just had a show last weekend. You got another one coming up. Actually, like two of them, right? Yeah, we have April 10th. Uh, well, we just did um, March 20th. We have April 3rd, right. April 10th, and then April 17th as well. Man, so you guys, you're crushing it. And yeah, they're all at Buckhead Fight so Club, right? Right, right. I'm, I'm helping another guy in Kentucky for April 24th, so that's like four weeks right in a row. It's a lot. That's crazy. Yeah. So uh, you're doing a show April 3rd with Rob Butler of RB3 Sports, correct? I didn't know if he was going to join on or not. Um, and he's he's from Ohio, but does he live here now, or is he just coming down here for uh, the show? I think he travels back and forth a lot. Okay. So um, the word that I'm hearing from a lot of the promoters coming to the South is just, you know, one is a lot of the states are not open yet. And then right. the other would be that uh, some of the commissions are making some pretty stringent rules on capacity and that kind of thing. And we have no 
you know, Georgia has been that state. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I think Georgia was the first one to kind of, and then we, we kind of opened and then Texas just announced like they're fully open. I don't know if you heard the news, uh, Canelo Saunders, they got that stage for 60,000 people, no mask, no nothing. There so. are no, there are no restrictions here for seating and that kind of thing. Um, you know the the in Georgia the fighters and the cornermen and anyone within six foot of the ring has to have a COVID test, which includes the promotional staff and the officials and that kind of thing. But you know they have you wear masks, but you know they come off. I'll be honest, you know in every show you're you're, you're looking around, and you're like, oh, no mask over there, no mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try to keep it under control, but yeah, I mean that's there. The capacity is tight. Um, I had an amateur show that had like 550 people at it. Uh, uh, that was on January 30th. So um, I, I was at that one. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. I mean, your shows yeah. are awesome. And it, yeah. so I, I went to that one. I've been to a couple other club shows here in the Southeast recently. And then uh, I've been to a couple bigger shows in Florida and Texas. And like, right. I get the vibe. People are ready to go out again, be yeah. safe, be responsible, but people are ready to go out again. Right. And enjoy fights, right? Is that right. the is that the sentiment you're getting? Yeah, and I mean, my personal opinion, I think so many people have had COVID now that those yeah. that really get affected by it, they're maybe I really don't see the numbers going up like they were, and there there there's way less social distancing now. So to me, I think it's maybe there's been a like a, a herd exposure. I don't yeah, know herd immunity. Yeah, and then um, you know there a lot of people now are getting vaccinated, including myself. Um, I, I did get one. Uh, wait awesome. for my next one. So, but I had COVID twice. So you had it twice. Wow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I caught it the first time at the Wilder Fury fight um, in Vegas. No so, shit. That was in February of uh, tw- uh, tw- let's see, twenty twenty. So yeah, well, you got it like right at the start. Early, oh, early. Yeah, nobody okay. really was talking about it. I think there were. They said there were like four cases in Washington State or something like that at that time. But it was it was quite an experience. And then you know it went all around everywhere for so many times. So I, I right. some of my uh, got some of my fighters that had it three times, you know, <laughs> like, wow. That's crazy. But, you know, after a while you're, you know, it's, I think I do feel like it's, it's definitely lesser if you've already had it the next go around, but you know, we can't say that that's just my personal experience. So, um, but there are, um, you know, you would think that with, with the way things have opened up, that the numbers would be going up, but they're, they're really not. And I think a lot of it has to do with us being exposed to it and, you know, right. more people getting vaccinated and, you you know if you have it you're immune for about three months I, I can tell you that from personal experience so <laughs> twice yeah. <laughs> yeah. about three months depend on you know where you're at but um yeah it's it, I mean the southern states we've always wanted them to be a boxing uh you know we don't want to hear about the southern circuit you know anymore so maybe this right. is actually come out yeah today. I'm starting to learn all the names right, for right. that I hear, I hear I hear Chitlin Circuit Southern Circuit oh, yeah. all <laughs> well, that kind of stuff yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's um. I was going to ask you about that. How do you fight that stereotype, if you will, and that label? And, um, you know, I guess it's it's national that people feel that way and they like to pluck fighters from this area. I, what I love what you're doing is you're keeping fighters here and you're building a regular club show that fans here expect every month. Right. You know, But right. what else right. can you do to kind of break that mold? Well, you're talking to a woman in boxing, so it's you know, break barriers, you know. Yeah. Especially uh, more being a promoter, but just being a trainer, you know, that's even, that's probably still the one of the hardest uh, areas in boxing to overcome, you know, for, you know, especially I'm not a big lady. I'm a, like five. You're very nine. tiny. Yes. <laughs> so, you <laughs> You're know, half my size. Yeah, I've got heavyweights that are, it's really yeah. funny. I take pictures after the fights at my amateur shows. One of my guys. You kick everyone's ass though. <laughs> yeah. 
he's sitting on the stool and I'm literally as tall as him while he's sitting on the stool. And, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, those barriers really just, if you, if you keep pushing forward, you know, and you show them that you've got a quality product, you know, and you're, you're able to, you know, make people happy. And I feel like in Atlanta, you know, people know that my shows are going to be good. Um, you know, whether I'm producing it for a promoter, if I'm being the promoter myself, I think they, they trust that I'm going to get the job done. So it's, you know, it's always hard for me when I work with uh, like new promoters and they, they don't quite get it, you know, and then they make a lot mm-hmm. of mistakes. It's, it's definitely a danger zone for my personal reputation. So I have to be a little cheesy about who I work with and when I do that kind of thing. So, and you know, sometimes you get bitten, but <laughs> you know, I, I, you. I definitely try to let people understand that if I'm involved, I'm going to make sure that things are, are done correctly and that the fighters are taken care of. And that's that's probably one of my biggest concerns. And then we we have an entertaining show, you know, that's that's put together well. That's that's really my trade trademark on it. So, you know, uh, you know, I think there are a lot of promoters in Atlanta that uh, and around the South, you know, especially the Southeast. We're talking, you know, right. um, uh, they're they're really trying to make a mark. You know, Texas has had some big big shows in the past, and uh, but Atlanta, mm, not so much. You know, I mean, we did have the the one uh, that Mayweather did, you know, with the uh, you know Badu Jack, and then. Uh, 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 there was a tank was on tank Davis was the main yeah, event. That was uh, oh, December yeah. 2019. I covered that yeah, one for ring yeah. and it was a sold out crowd. It, it was, it was sold a sold out, out crowd. And yeah. it's about, you know, I talk to people back in LA and, and when I get up to New York to cover events too, cause the, the, well, the power structure is in LA it's in LA and Vegas. Now it, right. it left New York a long time ago, long but there's time. still a scene in New York, right? right. Uh, a building scene in Texas. When I tell people is man, when I went to that Tank Davis show, I couldn't believe it. There wasn't an empty seat there. People were excited to see him. Yeah. And on top of that, I, I've been to several gyms here. Your gym's awesome. I love your gym. And every time I've been there, it's packed. And there's kids yeah. there, young people. Yeah. It's not right. just old asses like me in there. Yeah. In your 40s. There's kids in there, you know, because right. I know you work with the Georgia Tech team and everything else, right? That's really fun. Yeah, that's a that's a new experience. So, you know, it, it used to be back in the day that college boxing was a thing, you know, in, mm-hmm. in high school boxing. But, you know, when football and basketball and baseball, it, it really was about money. If that when that's where the money went, that's where the kids went, you know, in school. But uh, collegiate boxing is back. And, uh, you know, they've got, um, you know, they've always had the NASB that had like West Point and those military, you know, the army teams and, right. and their career fighters, you know, with like a lot of those guys in the amateurs, you know, 60, 70, 100 fights. But uh, UCBA, the uh, U.S. Collegiate, um, the U.S. Um, IBA, it's Intercollegiate Boxing Association, another division of USA Boxing. Um, I think I'm not sure Christy Halbert. She's one of their um, one of the high ups in USA Boxing. She always wanted to make a like a, a beginner division for fighters with, you know, zero to two, you know, two fights. So if you got three fights, you go to novice, then you go from novice okay. to, uh, open. But um, that's kind of the concept that they took for collegiate boxing under UCBA. And one thing I really like about it is that a lot of the students, I mean, they're there for two quarters or semesters, actually, now that shows my age. They're there for two <laughs> semesters. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they, they want to get in the ring and have a boxing match. Well, you know, I'm kind of used to that because I have this corporate fight night show that you're going to be on. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're breaking, you're breaking some surprises here. Yeah, yeah. When is that going to happen? I'm waiting for that to happen. I'm over no, here preparing. We're working on that now. So okay. um, I've got a venue picked out. We, you know, we did a show at the Georgia Aquarium at one time and we tried to go back, but they That's said awesome. they won't let us come back. Wow. Oh, man. But we just, uh, had too much fun. That's why. It was too much noise is what it was. You know, ah, they have Okay. Like beluga whales, and we almost killed them. Yeah, all. we got to <laughs> disturb the animals too. Yeah, we did. So, um, but yeah, so 
when I was used to doing that kind of show, it made it really easy for me to make that transition into the collegiate boxing under the beginners. You know, you get, you got guys who are there for like 12, 12 weeks. You got to get them ready to box in a boxing match. So mm-hmm. um, I was, you know, it, it was kind of right up my alley and, um, but it's really fun. It's, you know, it's, as a, you're, you, I'm sure you're a college, you know, you had went to college and I went to college and when you see an alma mater up there, you know, doing their thing, wearing right their, their team logo, it's really fun. I mean, it's just a whole new uh, level of college sports, you know, so it, it, this one, they're, they're such an interesting group too, because the Georgia Tech is a, it's not an athletics, <laughs> you know, it's a smart kid school where they're all right, into- right, right. It's Brainiac yeah. School. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool. That you know, I, that was one thing that blew me away that you you trained the Georgia Tech team and, and to yeah. see all those young guys in there. Um, that's just something that you hear that young pe- people are in the boxing, but I think if you stage it the right way and you promote it the right way and market yeah. to young people, you know, make it accessible to them, yeah. they respond and they're into it. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, um I well, one thing I always tell people is Boxing starts at the club level with the shows, right? People always think of the huge shows, the match rooms, the top ranks, but club promotions, club promoters, club shows are the lifeblood of this sport. This is a bottom up business, not a top down business. And a lot of people don't realize 90% of fighters cut their teeth and get their start on those types of shows. There's only so many contracts coming out of the Olympics. What are some misconceptions that you think people have about uh, club promoters uh, because one thing, you know, you don't have a staff. It's just right. you doing everything. Right. But beyond that, uh, what are some misconceptions you think? I mean, just that they're not going to be good fights. That's just so uh. not, not the truth. You know, um, personally, I love watching the brand new guys do the four rounders because they're, you know, 100 miles an hour. The pace is crazy. You know, they're fighting with all the, you know, it's mostly they're a man's <laughs> You know, they're not, they're, a lot of it's not a skill, but there's just like they're fighting for their life in there. And that's right, just right, right. the most fun boxing ever. And, the you know, even when you get some of the guys that are a lot less skilled and a lot of ego and, you know, it's just really fun to see them get in there and, you know, do their thing. It's entertaining as it can be. So the big shows have all the pop and glitter, but sometimes those fights aren't the best. I mean, you know, but a lot of times. Uh, yeah, yeah. Club level shows. There's It's hard to not meet the expectations unless you've got a bunch of, you know, quick knockouts or something like that. But even the fans, most of them don't know the difference. But, you know, um, we had the even the show we just had this weekend. Um, it was a small show, but all the fights were competitive. And it was a really good show. A couple upsets. You know, that's when you know you got some good matching and right. you know, you got some real competitive fights. So, um, I mean, to me, I used to when I was a kid, I used to go to wrestling, you know, <laughs> from the time I was like eight or nine years old. And uh, the little shows were the most fun. You know, that's where you could, you know, go up and meet the wrestler guys and take pictures right. and all but then we went to the big ones too, but you know, it's the, the, the glamour is great, but uh, you know, a lot of times it's way more fun going to these ground level shows. And then you'll see this guy fight. And then later you see him on the big show and you're like, Oh my God, I saw him fight yeah. at my club. You exactly. know, I, I brag. I'm like Devin Haney fought at my gym. <laughs> Clarissa Shields fought at my gym. So a lot of people right? don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, one of these guys on this show coming up, in a couple of weeks could very well be, you know, headlining a pay-per-view one day. You just, I, I, when I was in Los Angeles, uh, Thompson boxing, they do a, you know, regular shows out there, uh, club level shows right. at the same hotel, uh, sometimes once a month, sometimes twice a month. Right. And the community there expects them. They know what they're going to get. They go. And I can't tell you how many fighters I saw rise up through the ranks. I've seen a couple of guys right. from those shows win titles. It almost feels like a family member, because you've seen right. them from from a pup 
grow into a big dog. Right, you know what right, I'm saying? So right. that's one of the things about club club shows that I love. And um, the thing with with you guys running the show, the thing that I admire is again, you have to do everything. I don't think fight fans appreciate right. how much goes into putting right. on an event. Now this show coming up April 3rd, you're not the promoter, right? It, it's, no, it's Rob, yeah. but you're, he's using your uh, um, gym, right? Yeah, to I'm up- with some logistics and things too. Okay, so we, okay. we, it's a team. Um, he just has to pay the bills. <laughs> he's got to pay the bills. Okay. So you're like an advisor. You're stepping yeah, in as an I'm advisor. And- I'm, 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 I'm down for the team. So yeah. I mean, one thing about it, like I said, when it, whenever I'm, it's, if it's a show, especially at my gym, which is, you know, understand my gym is 25,000 square foot with both it's sides. Huge. Really it's and it's underground. It's, it, yeah. I love it. The whole setup of it is like out of a fucking movie. I love I know, it. Right, right, a right, real right. gym, you know? Yeah. And so, when, yeah. I, when I first heard Buckhead, because, yeah. you know, Buckhead is supposed to be the really nice, swanky part of town. So I'm like, oh, right. let me go see this gym. Let me see right, what's up right, with right. this gym. I'll admit, you know, oh, I'm coming from L.A., the real gym. You know, yeah. I walk in there, I go down those steps. I'm like, holy shit, this is a legit, <laughs> it is an awesome setup you got right, there. Right. And it's the, unique, it is, yeah. The shows I've been to are awesome. They're so much yeah. fun. And um, we're in with the like pool tables and bedrooms. So that's, that's that whole much- addition yeah. you did to the back there. Yeah, that is awesome. Fun. <laughs> yeah, that is that yeah, is fun. We got a pretty interesting space. So that's that's our newest edition. You'll have to come back there and shoot a game with us. So all right, well you can. So, I suck at pool. So, you can keep, uh... <laughs> yeah. so um, but yeah, we um, it, it's definitely a real gym, and um, you know, like I said, whenever we um, when when there's a show that comes to to my facility, I just got to make sure that everything's done, you know, as square as possible. So I always get involved. Uh, and just making sure all the logistics are handled. I give them all the information about how that venue works, you know, some ups and downs and some problems that can occur and what you can avoid and, you know, what the assets are and what the capacity is and all that kind of thing. So it's, you know, it's definitely takes a team to put on a show in that facility. It's just, I mean, the hardest part is just breaking down the gym and transforming it from a gym to a fight venue. That's, that's the most part because they don't look the same. They look very different. Yeah. Very different. That takes a hell of a lot of work. And you've got yeah. like over a hundred heavy bags in there or yeah. some shit. So yeah. I can only imagine um, as, as far as the COVID related stuff, is it going to be like mask required? Uh, so is there social distancing or no? Is it set up like normal? I mean, Georgia, you know, we've got an interesting governor. So no, there's no, no social distancing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, but the, I mean, by that, I mean, the seats are not six foot apart, you know, we've okay. got full capacity down there, but, um, we do have, like I said, you know, there is the pre pre COVID testing and stuff for the fighters. And then the audience okay. is required to wear a mask. We okay. check temperatures and sanitize, um, depending on the show. I mean, I have a show that has a fogger for the ring. So we fog the ring down between fights and my shows. Um, it's just, you know, it takes a little getting used to that fog. You know, I, I personally am a person with asthma and a real horrible allergy. So I'm like, please don't let me have a snot bubble while I'm on this podcast. <laughs> Cause here's George. It's like 70 degrees today. And oh, I know. Yeah. And so my yeah. throat is like, yeah. Cause it was literally like 40 the other night and now it's 70. Yeah. I'm like, do I wear shorts or a jacket outside? I'm so confused. Yeah. Right now. Well, I'm still getting used to that shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. like um, so but I imagine. Me- you're you're getting calls though from from several promoters up north that want to come down here, right? right I imagine right. your phone's got to be blowing up right now. It, it really is blowing up, and 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 not only that, or guys trying to get on the cards, you know. But um, okay, I think yeah. part of that again is you know because we have a ring in there, we've got lighting, we've got a, all the things you need. It's a one stop place. I mean, we've got you know banquet tables and chairs. I mean, we've it, you know 
It's a, it's an affordable place with a with a venue that's already got a reputation for having a good show. Okay. So it's probably you know I mean we we have you know some typical event regulations you know as far as insurance and things like that. But you know it definitely makes it uh, you know they if I could tap into a gym that's already got a big following when it comes to boxing shows and I'm having a boxing show there that's a plus. You know right. now I can tap into their market as well. So some people come to the shows just because it's our gym. You know, I see all my clients there, my members, you know. And, a lot of all my fighters and that kind of thing. So, you know, everybody's coming. We got a show at the gym. You know, they don't care who the promoter is. A lot of people don't know. So um, that's what I see on my end. But now on, when you add on top of that, what he brings, what Rob or any other promoter brings to the promotion, it's a it's a good thing. And then, you know, considering that we all promote shows uh, at this point, uh, myself and Rob and um, the show that I have on the 10th, which is with, by a gentleman named P. Robinson. He's out of uh, Detroit. He's doing a show there on the 10th. Yeah, he, he let me know he's coming down. So Right, right. So we're talking about let's do a few shows and then do a big one together at a big venue. So we're going to see what we're going to do. We're, 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 we're playing like we're, you know, De La Hoya, Don King, and Mayweather. Down That's here. awesome. On a different level, but we're we're already talking about what we want to do together as a team from there, in, you know, in addition to our, um, our weekly, I mean, our, our monthly shows that we're doing. Well, you know, keep keep me uh, keep me updated and count me in. I definitely want in on all of that. And I think it's it's awesome that there's so many opportunities here in Atlanta. We had we, there's been Super Bowls here. There's been Olympics here. You know, so there's just huge opportunities. And I, I think the demographics here for boxing are awesome. There's uh, obviously. Um, a large African-American population here with a ton of money. As Leonard Ellerby puts it, this is his words, not mine. He calls Atlanta Black Hollywood. And then there's a large, it is, right? Yeah. There's a large Mexican-American population. Um, There's a growing Eastern European population here. So there's a large immigrant population in uh, Asian-American. So so you have so many opportunities to market different fighters here. I think it's awesome. That's and, um, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I feel really privileged to be somewhere that's so diverse. And even if, yeah. like with our Georgia Tech team, our um, just our our Asian population went up way high because there are a lot that are going to school there. So yeah, I look at it and it's just the diversity of my gym in particular. Now, a lot of other gyms are near as diverse, but it's because of the lo- location where we're at. We have full diversity, and I've got quite a few. Uh, uh, Eastern Europeans that, that, that I train. And then, you know, a lot of guys. So I'm really fortunate. And of course we've got the Mexicans. So, <laughs> but we've yeah. got, Puerto we've got Dominicans, we've got lots of Latinos. I think Atlanta is one of the 10th largest in the country. Now, a lot of people don't know, but they're mostly right along the street where my gym is. So um, we've yeah, got this slide, that fact about Atlanta slides under the radar because that's something that my I, wife and I didn't realize until we we checked out several different cities before we moved out here, and that's something that we loved about Atlanta. I'm like, this really diverse here, and there's there's all kinds of awesome food and music and all yeah. this cultural stuff going on that I don't think the media has really caught on to yet. I don't know what's up with that, but it is um, an open city. It's the only yeah. place three a.m. on a Sunday night, and there's a traffic jam. Yeah, well. We well, compared to LA, it's a break okay, for yeah. me. Yeah, 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 it's a break for us. But um, you've got, I, I checked on, I think you've got 14, 15 different fights on this show coming up on the third. Um, and there are fighters from all over the country. I mean, there's so many different states, which is awesome. But there's several guys on there, uh, young undefeated prospects, guys coming up. Is, is there anybody that uh, fight fans should look out for on that show that you recommend? Um, we've got, I mean. I think it's Gofield's on that show. Right. right? Yeah. Right. We've got um, Quantavius Cash is on there. And then uh, Devin Haney's got a fighter on there. And then um, that's right. 
Yeah, and there are quite a few guys. I haven't actually seen the whole list because it's evolved every other couple of days. Right, so, with all the opponents. Yeah, well, um, just like even who's fighting. I mean, it's growing. I mean, I think we're up to almost 20 fights now. So we don't have that wow. many right now. Yeah, and even, um, again, some fighters are calling me. Um, I could look it up, actually, but I would embarrass myself. I'd have to look it up. You know, no, it's, all, it's all good. I get it. Because yeah, I know your phone's probably blown up with guys like, hey, can I get my guy on the show? Can I get my guy on the show? And I know how that works, yeah. especially right now because this state's open. And we're running um, out. So between the two shows, there are probably, you know, 35 fights. So yeah. pro boxing, yeah. That's awesome. Before I, before I let you go, uh, could you give everyone your social media or, or, or for the gym for Buckhead Fight Club so they know yeah. where to go to follow you so they can keep up with these shows? Well, sure. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, it's just Buckhead Fight Club, one word. Um, I think Twitter might be Buckhead FC. Um, so, okay. yeah. We but you're, you're on Instagram way more than Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Terry yeah, really. Facebook. Instagram is T-Moss the Boss. There's a lot of food and motorcycles on there. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of that. But, and hey, that's fun. So, yeah. But, um, um, yeah, you can find me on there, T-Moss the Boss. But they're all connected, so – um, but definitely follow us. You know, you can find out everything about all the shows that we have coming up um, and we plan on staying busy. So I, I will say this is it's a very strange world because um, COVID to me, when the shutdown, it was like a vacation. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah. The first time I could sleep in and rest and you know get a little workout on my own. But now we are slammed. So we've got so much boxing coming up. We're like you know, we've got great training programs. We've got, you know, a bunch of shows. And again, we've got corporate fight night still coming around the corner. Um, the, I haven't done one of those in about three years. It's just because I got too buried in the pros. But now I'm going to make room for that because there are so many people now asking me to bring that show back. And that's, you know, corporate fight night. We started in 2010. We've done 13, 14, 14 shows, I think. Awesome. Um, and now we're, we're you know, those we, we used to do them. We've done them anywhere from like three times a year to once a year. But this business people boxing each other, raise money for charity. Um, those are big black tie shows in fancy locations and all that kind of thing. But uh, we have done one at the gym. <laughs> so, um, but they're fun too. They're coming up. If you, you know, if you want to box, if you want to fight, you want to be on a show, you just get in touch with us, you know, let us know through the social media. We get a lot of calls um, about people that want to, you know, fight their friend kind of thing. And we're still trying to find a way to make that legal. <laughs> if we can do that, we're going to burn those out like one Friday a month. and just That'd be them. pretty, that'd be awesome. That'd be a lot of fun. Beat down, just beat your friend. <laughs> but beat your friend down night. So once I figure out a way to get that sanctioned, we're going to be doing those. Shows. So let's, let people just sign up to box each other. Uh, or we can do it as long as there's free admission, you can do it like that too. So we're going to see how we awesome. how we might be able to put that together. So I'll keep you posted on that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show, Terry. I appreciate it. We'll Thank definitely do it again. Me. As always, I love seeing you get back in the gym. And uh, We'll be back soon. Come on back. And are you going to be at the show um, next weekend on the 3rd? Yeah. yeah, we'll be there. Let me know. I'll put you on the guest list. All right. We'll see you there. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. There she goes, Terry the Boss Moss, former fighter, now uh, owns and runs a gym here out of Atlanta, regularly puts on shows. Awesome stuff, man. Uh, Everything from amateur fights with kids up to high-level amateurs all the way up through the pros. And uh, the the pro shows have different themes and everything. I love it. It reminds me a lot of what, like, Thompson Boxing was doing uh, in the Los Angeles area uh, when I was out there, just watching um, young guys come up 
And I think, again, club shows are so important. They're the lifeblood of the sport. And I, I think that um, clubs don't get enough love because it really is a labor of love. They, they work their freaking butts off. So um, good for her for all the work that she does in boxing. And I've seen her working with a lot of the kids. The Georgia Tech team, boxing team, trains there. And uh, she's made a difference in a lot of young people's lives. So uh, just awesome, awesome person. Good to have her on the show. All right, guys, let's uh, jump into some quick news. Um, there's not a whole lot to cover news-wise. Oh, actually, before I do that, I completely forgot um, the new issue of Ring is out. I forgot to show this to you guys. Uh, new issue of Ring is out. Oh, there we go. Uh, with Ryan Garcia on the cover right there. Um, I know some of you may not like that, but uh, young King Rye is a star on the rise, and that's why he's a uh, – on the cover right there. And then uh, a piece by Anson Wainwright that uh, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Ray Mancini's greatest hits, Ray Boom Boom, Boom Boom Mancini, one of my favorite fighters from childhood, is um, uh, featured in this magazine. That's just one of my favorite articles in this issue. Also, something else I wanted to put you guys onto. I've had, I've shown you before, my man, um, Chris Small, his artwork. I, I wanted to show you guys something he did recently. Uh, and I forgot to feature this last week but check this out on the screen right now chris small art if you guys go to twitter chris small art uh check out his profile he does awesome awesome pencil sketches and um of different fighters and and he sent me a few that i've shown off here on the show but check out this one he did of marvin Hagler. i think this is amazing uh you got him back in the day when he was a fighter and then you got him uh later on as an older gentleman um just an awesome photo or not photo. It's a pencil sketch, a photo of a pencil sketch. But I thought that that's really, really cool. and wanted to share that with you guys. Uh, one of the things about Marvin Hagler that was really cool to see was how he went from this like, you know, angry, ornery fighter, you know, cause that's what you gotta be as a fighter, right? You gotta be edgy. You always gotta be dialed in, you know, don't smile much. And then he kind of turned into this happy grandpa, later in, in his life and he would smile he would take pictures he would talk with people and he just came off like you never even know he was a fighter you know later on in life the, the way that he was it was just very very cool to see that um and so uh, that that picture that chris small did right there uh kind of illustrated that and i thought it was a lot of fun um okay let's jump uh real quick news and notes guys uh only one item really canelo versus saunders going to AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. I, I hinted at that earlier in the show. I was talking about that with Terry. Uh, May 8th, of course. And this is staged for 60,000 fans. So that's basically capacity. And uh, as far as I know, no masks, anything like that. I do believe the fighters and the promotion, they'll all be tested and everything. But as far as fans, you can buy a ticket and you can go if you can get there. Now, the fans from the U.K., that would want to come over and support Saunders. I don't know if you guys are going to be able to get out of England to go. I don't know what the restrictions are like over there. I'd like to hear from a few of my UK uh, listeners, viewers, because I don't know what the restrictions are over there. I, I, I'm curious to find out if you guys will be able to get out of there and fly here to the States to go to that fight. And if so, how many of you plan to do that? Because I know you guys have been really locked down over there for a long, long time. So uh, Texas picks up the biggest fight of the year so far. I, you know, I, I personally think that Taylor versus Ramirez is a better fight. I think that's a more competitive 50-50 type of matchup that I'm more looking forward to. And, of course, we just had Chocolatito Estrada, which was in Texas. 
Taylor Ramirez is going to Vegas. Top rank definitely wants to put that on in Vegas. But those are the three top shows so far this year. Two of them go to go to Texas, right? And then the biggest one, Canelo Saunders, that is the biggest commercial fight of the year so far. That's going to Texas. So guess what? Regardless of how you feel, where you sit politically on the COVID issue, testing, uh, and then, you know, wearing masks and, and the vaccine and all this stuff, wherever you sit on that, I'm not here to debate any of that. But it, the proof is there, guys. If you open up your state, the fights will come. That's what's happening right now. Again, Tiafima Lopez, George Cambosis is in Florida. Uh, there's a that big thriller show is coming here to Atlanta because Georgia's open, but Texas is wide open more than any other state. And boom, the, the biggest show of the year is heading down there. So uh since the pandemic, Canelo has fought in San Antonio, Miami, and now Arlington. So Texas and Florida. Well. No shit. It makes sense, right? Go where you can go and where you can get the most fans, sell the most tickets, generate the most capital. Before that, going back all the way to 2011, 12 of Canelo's 16 fights before the pandemic, going back to 2011, were all in Las Vegas. So that that was his home base and in the majority of his recent fights, especially, right? So that's he had fought before in Texas, and you know, I think in Houston, Minute Maid Park, I think it's called. But for the most part, he was a Vegas guy. But right now, the situation in Vegas, they don't know what's going on. So they've been going to where they can go and they can uh, have fans. So that makes a lot of sense. All right, guys, let's jump into uh, review real quick and look at what took place last week. We had a bunch of shows. It was a busy week, man. Uh, Thursday, oh, let me get over here to my banners. Let me change it to fight preview. There we go. A fight review. There we go. Uh, last Thursday, March 18th in Puerto Rico, uh, Golden Boy Promotions put on a show on NBC Sports Network. This was a Ring City USA show. In the main event, last-minute replacement, Angel Fierro scores a come-from-behind uh, upset special KO6 win over Alberto Machado. Fiero was down once in the first round and the second round. Comes back. The momentum changed right around the third, actually fourth round. That's where the momentum really changed. You started pushing Machado back, KOs him in the sixth round. This was the second time in a row that in the main event of a Ring City USA card, you got uh, a come-from-behind knockout win. Go back a, a couple weeks ago, Brandon Adams pulled the same thing against Sergei Bohachuk. Remember, Bohachuk was up early. It really looked like he was having his way. Brandon Adams kept on grinding, kept on grinding, ends up knocking out Bohachek, the Ukrainian. And that's what we saw right here from Machado. He has now lost three of his last four by knockout. Remember, he was at junior lightweight, lost twice to Concio, moved up, and looked a little bit better at lightweight. He seemed a little more sturdy. The, the extra weight helped him out. He won, I think, a comeback fight, easy fight. Goes right into this fight, was looking pretty good, and then boom. Uh, he, he gets knocked out again, just does not seem to have the punch resistance, man. For Fierro, he's a young kid. I think he's like 21, 22 years old. Tons of upside. We want to see him again. I covered this event for ringtv.com. So you guys saw my article there on our site um, uh, the next night. But yeah, it was technically the next day. I was going to say that night, but it was technically like probably one in the morning before it got posted. And then uh, Saturday, March 20th, we had three different cards uh, around the world. In Moscow, Russia, and this was picked up by ESPN+, Plus. Artur Beterbiev scores a TKO 10 win over Adam Deans, Dinas, and I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. Uh, fighter born in Russia, now based out of Germany. Dinas was knocked down in round one, but he was very game. 
got his feet, kept his composure. You looked like it might be a quick night. And he kept doing this thing, kept pushing, kept pushing, landed a few shots, you know, made, made his mark there a few times, but it was pretty much one punch at a time. And Baturbiev just slowly, methodically broke this dude down and eventually uh, stopped him. It wasn't like a knockout via a punch. It was kind of a ref. I, I can't remember if it was ref stoppage or corner stoppage, but basically it was a completely one-sided fight and turning into a beatdown. A lot of people were dissing Baturbiev on uh, Twitter, of course, because they were expecting a, you know, a third-round knockout or something like that. But to me, what I saw, a little bit of it was a guy getting some rounds in and just methodically taking his time. He wasn't rushing anything. He wasn't throwing crazy punches, crazy haymakers. He was just taking his time, getting some rounds in. Definitely didn't look great. It wasn't his best performance. He didn't set the world on fire. But now there's people saying, oh, he's trash, he's overrated, because, you know, that's how Twitter Twitter boxing is. But, um, look, he is an older guy. He is injury-prone. He's had a ton of delays. His career has been very, very frustrating. John Uden in the chat corrected me, saying that the corner for Dinas did throw the towel in. Okay, I thought so. Thanks, thanks for uh, keeping me honest, John. I couldn't remember for sure. But uh, for Baturbiev, yeah, man, it, it's been a frustrating career because of all the delays. He doesn't fight a lot. He's kind of like the Gary Russell Jr. of the light heavyweight division. His delays are less politically driven. They're more driven because of um, uh, medical issues and, and things like promotional issues and um, uh, injuries. However, I still think he's the best uh, light heavyweight in the world. Now, if him and Dimitri Bevel were to fight later this year or him versus Joe Smith Jr., I would slightly favor Baturbiev, at least right now. Maybe my opinion will change, Okay. Those guys have upcoming fights. We got to see how they look. But let's 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 you know hold back judgment and just wait to see how the, the, these guys look before we you know make too many predictions because people are saying right now Canelo's going to move up to light heavyweight and destroy Baturbiev and this that the other. Let's slow down. It's one fight. All right. The last time he was in with an elite level opponent against Alexander Vajdik, he looked much better. He broke that dude down. It was able to win. I will say this though. I will say this. Vajdik was able to touch Baturbiev, just didn't really have the power, not that much speed. Dennis had pretty decent speed, zero power to his punches. He was able to touch Baturbiev. We have seen Baturbiev dropped a couple times. If those guys can touch him, Dmitry Bivol certainly can. He's not the hardest puncher, but he's definitely more athletic than Vajdik and Dennis. Uh, if Joe Smith can touch him, Joe Smith is more probably the hardest punching fighter at light heavyweight right now. He could probably do some damage to Baturbiev if he can land punches. Canelo Alvarez, if he were to move up and fight Baturbiev, he'd be the fastest fighter, best hand speed, best defense, best upper body movement, but just the most elite level fighter pound for pound, obviously, that he's ever faced. So if all those guys can touch him, it will get interesting to see what happens if he fights a Dimitri Bivol, who can get in and get out. His... Dimitri Bevel's defense is his feet. He could get in, land punches, get out. I believe he's got faster feet, faster hands, more athletic than Baturbiev. Baturbiev is certainly stronger. He might be the strongest fighter in the world, pound for pound. But Bevel, I think, is a little faster, a little more athletic, and can get in and get out. Uh, Joe Smith Jr., again, punches like a freaking mule. If he hits Baturbiev, maybe he could put a dent in him. And then Canelo Alvarez, David Benavidez, perhaps, if he ends up moving up, It'll be interesting, man. I definitely want to see. But let's give credit to Dinas. He put up a good fight. Uh, Zach D in the chat 
said DNS put up a good fight. I agree with that. Uh, so good job by him. All right, Wembley Arena in London, matchroom on the zone. Lawrence O'Coley wins a vacant cruiserweight title by knocking out uh, the Polish fighter Krzysztof Golwacki, KO'd him with a uh, right hand. Uh, Lawrence O'Coley isn't the most scintillating, most exciting fighter to watch, but he's becoming pretty damn good. He, he's really, really improved. He's awkward. He's long, man. He's got crazy long arms. Uh, reminds me a little bit of uh, Mo Hooker, the way he's built. Arislandi Lara kind of has a similar build to those guys, long, long arms. And um, he was able to utilize that against Glovaki, get the stoppage. Uh, Glovaki looked a little bit like a shot fighter, a little bit. I'm not going to quite call him 100% shot, but he does. he's definitely over the hill. Still, a very, very good win. For Okoli, who is 16 and 0, they list him as six foot five, six foot five cruiserweight. That's 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 awesome. I mean, just the size advantage he has right there. 2016 Olympian under Shane McQuiggan, he has really improved, man. He has really really improved. And what I love about this is that he immediately after this fight called out Marius Bredis for a unification fight, a fight between those two. In my opinion, that the winner of that fight is the man of the cruiserweight division. Would love to see it, and you know. I think he's as ready for it as he's ever going to be. If they can make that fight this year, that's a, the best fight that could be made in the cruiserweight division. Uh, John Uden in the chat says, Glovaki had been out of the ring for a while as well. Yes. Uh, he had that, you know, strange fight with Bradis that ended strangely. What was that? 2019, I think. I'm not, I'm not sure if he fought at all in 2020. I get it. He just has that look of a guy who's a little bit past it. And O'Coley, Got him at the right time. It just I, I thought this was a good performance from him. And um, he's definitely improved, man, because a couple of years ago, I had zero interest in watching this guy. Just watching his fights was like watching paint dry. And I was like, oh, man, there's not much here. But he has impressed me. He truly has. Good work by Shane McGuigan, who I think is an underrated trainer. And then here in the United States at Dickey's Arena in Fort Worth, Texas, let's talk about this one. This is the most impressive uh, win of the week. And I thought the best fight of the week, obviously. Golden Boy Promotions on the zone. The Battle of Dallas. Virgil Ortiz Jr. versus Mighty Mo Maurice Hooker. Uh, Ortiz wins by TKO7 off an injury to Hooker's hand. I see a few of you out there uh, questioning Maurice Hooker uh, about the injury. He absolutely injured his damn hand. It was He wasn't faking. And there was a few people booing after the fight. Absolutely ridiculous. Did not deserve that. A guy who got up off the canvas, fought back, has now fought Ramirez, and Ortiz, two fights he didn't need to take, but took them. Uh, and this was, what, his second fight, I think, at 147? And he he didn't need to take this fight, takes it. Uh, so I think Maurice Hooker deserves a lot of respect, man. And it's for anybody questioning that injury, go back and watch the slow motion replay. Uh, right when Hooker throws a right hand, Ortiz dips his head down, and Hooker lands right on the top of the head, the crown of the head. That's the hardest part of the head. His hand was a little bit open. He, he, you know, he didn't quite turn over on the punch and get his fist closed all the way. Boom, his hand popped. According to his trainer, uh, who I, I think is one of the real good guys in the sport, I don't think he's bullshitting anyone. We're talking about Bomack here, one of the real good guys, one of the best trainers in the sport. He said that they can't even train. He can't punch nothing for a couple months. That's how ba- badly he busted his hand. So I think uh, Hooker deserves respect, and I think that was really shitty the way some fans booed him. But I love it. How he said, for all you fans booing me, fuck y'all. And he flicked everyone off and left the ring when he was being interviewed by Chris Mannix of The Zone. 
to me, that was the best part of the weekend, man. Uh, good for Mo because those people sucked. And apparently there were people booing during the 10 count for Marvin Hagler. Now, I didn't hear that, but I've heard a few of you guys on Twitter say that. If anybody was booing or, or not booing, I should say talking, just talking and being loud and belligerent during the 10 count for Marvin Hagler. Holy shit, man. Is that disrespectful? I, 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 I have no words for that. Anyway, back to this fight. Virgil Ortiz, TKO7, Maurice Hooker. Immediately after this, Errol Spence is there in the crowd. Terrence Crawford's there in the crowd. And people are asking, what's next? Well, politically, we know a fight with Errol Spence ain't going to happen. Errol Spence is going to fight Ugas on Fox pay-per-view later this year. We already know that. So what about Terrence Crawford? Politically, that fight can happen. Uh, Grandpa Bob and Oscar De La Hoya, they do business together. They can make that work. Okay. But is he ready? And this has been the debate on boxing Twitter all Sunday into today. All the podcasts and everything are talking about this. Now, I tweeted about this, and I think some of you guys out there took it the wrong way. What I said was, I don't think he's ready yet, but if he wants that smoke and they can make that fight happen, go for it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. But he's not ready. And I think it would look very, very similar to when Floyd Mayweather fought Canelo Alvarez. That's what it would look like. Not exactly the same in terms of styles, obviously. But a 12-0 shutout, pretty much. That's what it would look like. Why do I say that? Because a lot of you guys are out there saying, well, what about Tiafima Lopez when he fought Vasily Lomachenko, right? A lot of you guys said he wasn't ready. And then all of a sudden you flipped the script and said he was ready. Like, you can't have it both ways. I understand that. Let's back up. When the fight between Tiafimo Lopez and Vasily Lomachenko was first being discussed, that was before Tiafimo Lopez had fought Nakatani or Kome. At that point, he was not ready for that fight, and Vasily Lomachenko would have absolutely beat him. But going 12 rounds with Nakatani, 12 hard rounds, where he clearly won that fight, but he still he was punching a guy that didn't go away, that was right there in his face, it would not go away, right? So in that respect, he faced a little adversity there, and he had to go a full 12 with a top 10-level fighter. And Nakatani has proven since he is a top 10 lightweight. We all agree on that, correct? After that fight with Nakatani, a lot of people were dissing Tiafima Lopez and saying, man, he's overrated. He ain't ready for Lomachenko, all this, that. That's what he needed to develop and make himself a 12-round fighter and, and go to the next step. That's part of building a fighter. The very next fight, Richard Comey, proven top 10, maybe top five lightweight, held a world title, a legitimate world title, not one of these interim titles or gold, diamond, all this email title bullshit, a real world title. Tiafima Lopez hears all the people criticizing him about the Nakatani fight, gets serious again about his training, gets a little humbled from that experience, blows out Richard Comey, right? Then they make the fight with Lomachenko. At that point, he had fought two top 10 lightweights, beaten them in different ways, shown levels in the ways he defeated them, won a world title. Then he fought Lomachenko. Virgil Ortiz is not there yet. He hasn't done that yet. He hasn't fought a top 10 welterweight yet. He hasn't gone past the seventh round yet. He has not been battle-tested. Maurice Hooker put some, some leather on him, 
I, I gave the fourth round of that fight to Maurice Hooker. I think one or two, I think maybe two of the judges actually gave three and four to Hooker. I thought that was a little too generous. I gave him the fourth round. I thought Ortiz won every other round of that fight. But he did face a little adversity there. Okay, I'll give it to you. But not, not he wasn't battle-tested. Not the way that Tiafimo Lopez was before his fight with Lomachenko. So having said all that, again, I will repeat. If a fight between uh, Virgil Ortiz and Terrence Crawford happens later this year, cool, I want to see it. I'm going to watch, and I'll give both of them credit for taking it. But I still don't think he's ready. And I'll say, look, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe they make that fight and Ortiz knocks out Terrence Crawford in the first round. Then I'll eat my crow. It wouldn't be the first time I've messed up one of these things, okay? But I'm right most of the time. You guys got to give me that much. Most of the time I'm on point with this stuff. He's not ready. As a fan, yeah, I want to see that fight. If I was advising or promoting Ortiz, not quite yet. Let's find our Nakatani. Let's find our Komei. Let's work our way into a mandatory position for a title and grab a piece of a title. Then let's go after Terrence Crawford. That's the way I'd build it. I'd build it over the next 12 months so that early next year, we could do a fight somewhere. Uh, Maybe not Omaha, maybe not Texas, maybe Las Vegas or something, a neutral site where you could get a big crowd. Maybe Texas would be a good place. I don't know. Maybe Dallas would be. Well, Ortiz is from Dallas. Vegas, let's stick with Vegas. You put it in Vegas early next year, and then Ortiz has proven himself. He has a piece of a title. He's now a mandatory or something like that. Then you make that fight. That's the way I would do it, okay? That's not me trying to say, as a boxing fan, uh, you know, I don't want to see this. That's not me trying to be a fanager. I'm just telling you guys the way this business works. There's no way in hell this fight's happening next. No way in hell it's happening next. Regardless of what Oscar De La Hoya says, on Twitter. All right, let's go to the chat real quick here. I want to uh, put this up. Uh, Mandeli Cali says, uh, Dan Raphael tweeted, Hooker's hand is broken. Yeah, like I said, uh, Bo Max said it himself. So the trainer said that himself. Um, that's right. Yeah, too swollen to cast. That's right. That's exactly what I heard too. That it was so swollen, they couldn't even put it in a cast. That's how busted up his hand is. And people were booing him? Crazy. John Uden says, boxing fans ask a lot from the fighters and then sometimes give nothing back. Ain't that the damn truth? Ain't that the damn truth? Ceylon on the chat says, there were loud chants during the Hagler count. Yeah, man, that's just really disrespectful and shows a lack of tact, man. I don't give a shit if you're having a good time and you're drunk with your boys at the fight. Marvin Hagler, one of the best ever. And then forget about him as a fighter. He was an amazing human being. Show some damn respect and shut up during the 10 count. All right, one last, and then we'll get to this fight preview here. Foss on the chat says, good win for Ortiz Jr. However, I don't think he's ready for Crawford. I want to see the fight. I just think Crawford is the better fighter. I'm with you, man. That's exactly that's exactly how I feel. I don't like, I don't mean any disrespect, but that's just where I sit on this right now. Uh, okay. Let me jump real quick here. Hang on one second, guys. <clears throat> All right, we're going to have, I think um, I think Rob's going to be on the chat here in a minute, guys. I just want to real quick get to this fight preview, then we're going to get him on the chat real quick. Um, Rob Butler with RB3 Sports, I guess he was running late. We had Terry Moss on earlier, but he's going to be actually promoting that show in Atlanta uh, in a couple weeks, so I want to get him on here. Uh, just real quick, I want to preview what we got coming up this week. Thursday, March 25th in Puerto Rico, it's another Ring City USA card. This is headlined by a female fight. 
between Amanda Serrano, who I think is one of the top five female fighters in the world, pound for pound. And she is originally from Puerto Rico, grew up in New York, but originally born in Puerto Rico, uh, going up against Daniela Bermudez. Uh, her first fight outside of her native Argentina, and they're fighting for Serrano's unified featherweight titles. And then Saturday, March 27th, this fight is kind of slid under the radar. And um, it's going to be a damn good fight. Don't miss it. I don't know why it slid under the radar. Something about the delays and everything have, have, have kind of made it fall under the uh, the radar of boxing fans. But Saturday, March 27th, in Gibraltar. When's the last time you saw a fight in Gibraltar? Matchroom on the zone. Alexander Povetkin fighting Dillian White in a rematch. These two fought last 2020 in Brentwood, England. Povetkin was dropped twice in round four. Comes back in the fifth round and drops White. Don't miss this one. This is someone's getting knocked out. I think this is going to be a very, very good fight. Uh, I and look, I picked Dillian White the first time around. Some people might think I'm crazy. I'm picking him in the rematch. I just think on paper he should win this fight. He's the younger guy, uh, much, much closer to his physical prime than Povetkin. I get it. Povetkin is a craftier fighter, has more skills, uh, much better experience fighting, uh, better opposition. I, I get all of that. Okay. But where these two are at in their careers, Dillian White should win this fight. I expect perhaps a late TKO win. Uh, maybe maybe it goes to the cards, but that would really be a shame. Um, it, it is possible that Alexander Povetkin can do him in again. But um, I just, I don't know, man. I favor Dillian White for all the reasons I mentioned before. Some people don't like Dillian. They think he's really, really overrated. They were pissed off that Ring Magazine, we rated him so highly. I get it. Uh, he is inconsistent. I understand all of that. But I do think he is a legitimate top heavyweight. I think he's a legit top five heavyweight. I think he's going to prove it in this fight and beat Alexander Povetkin in the rematch. If I'm wrong, I'll eat my crow. We'll talk about it next week. But actually, I'm looking forward to that fight a lot. You guys know I love the uh, the heavyweights. So let's see here. Let's jump over. We actually, we have Al Jones on the chat. Uh, he is about to join us. He is promoting that show uh, in on April 3rd here in Atlanta. So we're going to bring him on here in just a second. All right, let's add him to the stream. Al, what's up? Can you hear me? Hear you loud and clear. How you doing today? <laughs> doing well, my man. Sorry, sorry. I didn't know uh, what was, I thought that, um, that Rob was going to join on and, um, I don't know what's going on here. It's crazy, but uh, all right. So right, right. You're gonna be. I, I, I look a lot more handsome, so you, you <laughs> prefer to have me on there anyway. <laughs> it's but all hey, good, but hey, you look good store. to me. So you're in Atlanta. Get ready. They are in store for a dynamite show, April third, at the Buckhead Fight Club. I'm telling you, the 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 main event is Darren Cunningham the third. He's actually out of Devin Haney's camp. Right. Oh, you just broke up on us, Al. Al, you just broke up on us. For a great show. You broke out you broke up on us a little bit right there after talking about uh Cunningham, but um yes. Well Darren Cunningham is the main event. Right. He's out of Devin Haney's out of Devin Haney's camp. Right. So he works well with David Devin Haney. He's twelve and oh. Future champ, very hot prospect coming up. In the co-main, we have Montana, too pretty love, out of Cleveland, Ohio. 
excellent fighter, 13 and 0. I mean, they're going to put on a show. We have a great show coming on, a lot of up and coming uh, prospects, a yeah. lot of young lions on the show. We got a card that's about 13, 15, 15 guys on the card. Yeah, I saw that. You guys got like 15 fights on that card. I was talking to Terry at the beginning of the show, and you guys have fighters from all over the country, which is awesome. Yes. Where, are you, where are you based out of, Al? I'm based out of Cleveland, Ohio. You're out of Ohio. Okay. I'm a Detroit yeah. guy, man. So I, I got family in Cleveland. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Mayfield Ave and all that. Do you, do you know that, right. that area? Yes. Yes. Very familiar with the area. I was just there five minutes ago. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yes. 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 Yeah, I, man. I, some I, good I Italian food over there. Detroit also, you know, out in Southfield, actually. Out oh, yeah, man. Yeah, of course. I know Southfield. Good. I know it very yes. well. Yes. Yeah, I was talking to Terry just about um, fighters and promoters trying to come down here to Georgia, Florida, Texas, bringing shows, bringing fighters down because we're open for business down here. Absolutely. I yeah. love Terry. Terry is great. Just so you know, I, uh, the Buckhead Fight Club in Atlanta, Georgia, April 3rd is going down. Uh, the fans, they they not want to miss this. Tickets are going fast. So yeah, her shows sell out down there. It, yes, I, it's it's going to sell. There's out. a reputation. I, I've been to a couple of them. I'll be at that one, so I'll see you there. It'll be nice to meet you, brother. Um, but but uh the, the community here knows about those shows at Buckhead Fight Club. They always sell out. So, uh you know, cuz the crowds get rowdy, it's a lot of fun. So, <laughs> right. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, I am too. I'm looking forward to bringing Atlanta, Georgia, and all the surrounding states a wonderful show. I mean, they will definitely be pleased with this show. Uh, lost you again. <laughs> Not going to be able to. to we, lo we lost. We don't see you, but we hear you. So I don't know what happened there. Right, right. But long as you can hear me, we're good. I can kind of hear you. You're breaking up a little bit. Okay. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, I'm coming through. The, I'm in the wood area. I'm in a wooded area. Okay. <laughs> That's Atlanta. It's very wooded here. Uh well, I was going to I was just going to ask um for for fans that are uh concerned about COVID restriction or uh, COVID protocols and things like that. Terry uh talked about this a little bit, but maybe you could give further uh insight. The fighters and the promoters and everybody involved with the fighters, their teams are all going to be tested, correct? Correct. Everyone is going to be tested. You okay. Have to the ring will be sanitized in between every fight. The ring will be sanitized also. We have that covered. And also, you 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 have to have a mask to enter. So, you know, the only time you can... The food is going to be great. And and the only time you can take that mask off is in the, in the midst of eating your food. <laughs> or drinking a soda. So it's going to be like when you fly, where uh, you, you pull it down, you have a bite, you pull it back up. Correct. One exactly. of those things. All right. Exactly. All right. All right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that's April 3rd, Buckhead Fight Club, Atlanta, Georgia. They definitely, all the fans, all your fans definitely need to be there. Hey, you said you'll be there in the room too. So yeah, we'll be there. Me and my wife will be there. That haven't met you and give them an opportunity to meet you also. There we go. Right. There we go. Right. That and sounds good, man. Yes, yes, yes. So that's RB3 Sports putting that on also in collaborations 
Yeah. So, so what's your company? Are you with, what's the name of your company? So you're doing this in collaboration with Rob and his, in RB3 sports. Okay. Okay. I am in the ring. It's it's in the ring with Al Jones. I'm on all. In the ring with Al Jones. Yes. What's uh, what's your Twitter handle? What's your social media? In the ring with Al Jones. Al Jones on all social media platforms. In the ring with Al Jones. So that's where everyone can find you on Instagram, Twitter, all that. All of that. Okay. Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. I'll make sure I blast out that those links so everybody can uh, can check you out. I appreciate that. All right. Well, uh, enjoy your wooded area. <laughs> and yes. I will see you in a couple of weeks. April 3rd, Atlanta. Georgia. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. April 3rd, Buckhead Fight Club. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Thank you for waiting. I didn't even notice that you're on there uh, waiting. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's OK. I'm a patient man. I go through the same things too. Also. All right. Have a good one. You as well. All right. There he goes, guys. So, um, yeah, man, uh, that's going to be such a fun show. Um, I I can't wait for that one. And, and again, I think it was like 15 fights and fighters from, I want to say, like six or seven different states because, as Al said right there, Al is from Cleveland, Ohio. I don't think guys in Ohio can put on shows right now. You know, I I think with all the restrictions. So, um, People are coming down here. They're coming down to Florida. They're coming down to Texas. I've been, uh, my phone has been ringing off the damn hook for people wanting me to go to their shows in several different states. And, you know, my, seriously, my calendar is booked already through most of May. So these shows are coming back and they're coming back to this area. It's like the universe was telling me something when I moved to this part of the country. I don't know, but shit's starting to blow up out here. So anyway. Uh, let's jump back over to this chat. Uh, what is this here? Packer fan. We got Packer fan on. Oh, is this Mr. Jim Boone? Because I know he is a Packer fan. I will have to say. But uh, uh, check out Oscar De La Hoya's last tweet. He's slightly calling out the zone execs for not showing up to watch Virgil Ortiz live. I don't know if this is a good way to keep getting dates, Oscar. I saw. I, I didn't see the tweet, but a few people on my timeline mentioned that. Um, Oscar Oscar gets a little weird on social media. Uh, look, from a guy who's made some mistakes on Twitter and took a lot of heat for it, um, Oscar definitely takes it way over the cliff, and he just gets kind of strange on uh, on social media. I don't know if I'd go after the zone. I don't know if I'd go after those guys, but, yeah, it's, um, it should be um, – people should be there supporting um, – Virgil Ortiz Jr. But the entire crew is there. I mean, Chris Mannix and Todd Grisham, Sergio Mora, all those guys are there. Uh, Virgil got plenty of love. So I'm not sure what Oscar's talking about. And it's a little hypocritical, just a little bit, because Oscar hasn't necessarily given Virgil that much attention in comparison to this guy, Ryan Garcia. He's given a lot more attention to this guy than Virgil Ortiz. So it's a little bit hypocritical coming from Oscar if he's talking about the zone's ex- execs not showing enough love. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, oh, good question by uh, Swahela. Swahela. Is it possible to see this show on some channel or stream? Um, I will ask about that, but I don't think there will be a stream for this particular show. But I do believe Terry Moss is working on that. And I will be working on getting that sort of thing set up. If I can help out with some of these club shows around here, uh, getting some of these things streamed, 
Could it could even be guys where some of these things could be streamed on my channel at some point. Okay. We we've discussed that sort of thing with several promoters here in the Southeast. And if I could do something like that, I'd be happy to do it to help some folks out. Uh, maybe I'd be doing commentary. Um, of course, all of that will cost money to get all that equipment and all that good stuff. But um, yeah, I, I think there's, there's opportunities here. And so it's definitely something that's being looked into. <clears throat> Zach D says, Oscar is a jabroni. Hey, you said that, not me. And then he said, uh, Ernie Hearn about to take the whole Rasta. That's interesting. I, I, I will say, Eddie Hearn is crushing it. You know, I, I don't owe Matchroom anything. I don't work for them. But Eddie Hearn right now is really, really crushing it, man. <clears throat> John Uden, he says, do you think the current crop of young fighters at the potential Fury versus AJ Clash can make Bud versus Spence less relevant and maybe force their hand to make the fight happen? You know, John, I don't know if you saw – uh, Terrence Crawford is, he was interviewed by, I think it was Chris Mannix, um, on that DAZN show this weekend, this Saturday. And he basically said that fight ain't happening. I've moved on. That lets me know right there. And look, neither side really wants it. I, you know, I do ultimately blame Spence's side a little bit more for that fight never happening because like his promoter, which includes Fox and Showtime, they didn't even acknowledge the WBO title. But now that they need the WBO title to market Charlo's next pay-per-view against Castano, suddenly they recognize the WBO title. You know what I'm saying? The optics of the way they didn't even include Crawford in the conversation, that looked a lot worse. So I do blame their side more. But there's plenty of blame on Terrence Crawford's side. Plenty of blame. I've completely given up on that damn fight happening. And you know what the truth is? It's past its, its expiration date. It really is. COVID probably gave it a little bit of an extension, but it's past its expiration date. And is it even in the top three fights right now in boxing in terms of commercial success? I don't think it is. I really, really don't. I think that there are other fights. There might be five more fights that do more business than a Spence Crawford fight. That's the truth. And it's their fault. It's their fault for screwing it up. Man, it sounds crazy, but Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis would probably sell more pay-per-views. Don't shoot the messenger. If they did that like on Triller or something with a YouTube dude, it'd probably do more pay-per-view sales than Spence versus Crawford right now because just no one gives a shit. Honestly, pe people are just over it. So I, I, I've completely given up. Oh, Super Chat Pledge from Trent Nonpareil. Thank you so much. He says, yo, Pavel Siliagin looked great Saturday on the Beterbiev card. There were several young guys that looked pretty good on that card, man. That was actually a pretty loaded show with a lot of prospects from that part of the world. Uh, is Taylor likely to fight Crawford or Lopez if he beats Ramirez? Yes, yes, and, and the other way around. You got to remember, man, um, and that's another thing about Terrence Crawford. And You know what? This, this is a good question because it follows up on John's question. Terrence Crawford in the back of his mind, look, if he stays with top rank, which maybe he will, maybe he won't long-term, we'll see. I think he's going to be with them for a while. He knows that eventually the Taylor Ramirez winner is going to move to 47, and that's a high-level opponent for him. The winner of the Taylor Ramirez fight is on the pound-for-pound -pound top 10 list. Easily. 
who knows where they'll be positioned. It depends on who wins and how they win. But it's it's they could possibly be like the number five, number six guy on the pound for pound list. So a fight between them, the winner of that fight, and Terrence Crawford next year or something, that's a big fight, guys. And that's that's gonna go to pay-per-view, probably ESPN pay-per-view. I hate that it would, but it probably would. And it'd be a big money fight. And by then, you put that in Vegas. If Taylor wins, you put that in Vegas. You have the UK fan contingent come out. If Ramirez wins, you put it in Vegas. You have the Mexican-American fan contingent come out. And and, uh, he's a big brand in California. His fans would come from uh, Northern California over to Vegas. And, of course, everyone from Omaha would come to Vegas for for Bud. So it would do a crowd. It'd It'd do money. It really, really would. So he's got that big fight waiting there in the wings, man. And that's why I think he's just kind of like telling he's he's at a point with Spencer. He's like, oh, fuck you. I, I got something waiting here. I'll bide my time. Do I like that attitude? No, I, I'd rather see Spence and Crawford fight right now, but it, it is what it is, man. But yes, to answer your question, Trent Taylor, absolutely. If he beats Ramirez, I think he'd fight Crawford and the other way around. If Ramirez beats Taylor, he'll fight Crawford. Uh, but Lopez, I don't know. Because I don't think Lopez is going to be with top rank much longer. Also, he's going to want to uh, fight at 140. And it, look, it's possible that the Taylor Ramirez winner would rather stay at 140 and fight Lopez. But it might be a, a more winnable fight at that point. I, I don't know. I'm brainstorming here, okay? To move up to 47 and fight Crawford. It all depends on several different things, several different factors, time, place, um, and how uh, Lopez looks at 140, how Crawford continues to look at 147. I mean, there's so many different factors, but there will be some mix of those guys um, fighting each other very, very soon. Absolutely. Zach D is asking, was the Charlo Castano fight announced? No, I'm just telling you what PBC is going to do. PBC is going to do a Tank Davis uh, pay-per-view on Showtime later this year. They're going to do uh, Charlo versus Castano on Fox pay-per-view. Spence versus Ugas will be on pay-per-view as well. Just That's just what's going to happen. Zach Diaz, Mike, you got to speak on Tyson and Triller. What happens now with Tiafimo? Uh, I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to with Mike Tyson. I know that they were exploring an Evander Holyfield fight or something like that. I think Tyson's going to be back on Triller sometime soon. And Tiafimo Lopez, obviously his next fight is going to be on Triller against um, George Cambosis out of that's going to be out of Florida, but um, Trenton on Peril says, "Damn, Lopez going the match room." I bet it's it's possible, dude. It's very very possible that, that that could very well happen, and that would definitely mess some things up a little bit. You know, it might mess up some potential future matchups. It'd be interesting to see how all that would go. Packer fans says Deontay Wilder told Dillian White to sign to Al Heyman. If he ever wanted a title shot against him, Spence said the same thing at the Porter versus Danny Garcia post-fight press conference signed with Al. Yeah, look, there's just a certain way business is done on, on, you know, they have a certain business model over there and it is what it is. You know, I could comment on that all day um, about my opinions and what it's doing to American boxing, but I'll leave that alone. John Uden with the super chat. Thank you so much, brother. He says, crazy David Benavidez is still only 24. That's a good point. He has time to fight Canelo, plant, and still have a big Mexico versus Puerto Rico clash with Berlanga in a couple years. Hell yeah. He is only 24, but he's probably aged himself a little bit prematurely with uh, with the nose candy. He needs to lay off that stuff and uh, 
you know, look, too much of that crap will mess him up, man, and cut that career short. <clears throat> oh, Zach D is saying, um, check Mike Tyson's Instagram. He's saying he's not with Triller anymore. That's interesting. And Mandeli is saying the same thing. Tyson went off on Triller on Twitter, not doing business with them anymore. Hmm. Well, if that's true, that didn't last long. Um, I don't know, guys. I, I really don't know. We'll find out. But I, I just, you see things on Twitter, you see fighters saying things, and then a month later, it's all patched up. Everything's funny when you're making money. Tyson Fury says all kinds of crazy shit on social media, and then things seem to work out in the end, right? So, so I don't want to put too much into that. To be honest, I don't know enough about it to comment on it here. If Tyson leaves Triller, um, it still, it seems to me that with or without Mike Tyson, Triller has made an investment in boxing and they're going to be around promoting some fights for a while. Now, will it last long-term? I don't know. At some point, they're going to have to have more of a streamlined business plan. That makes sense, right? And, and get some fighters over there that are consistently performing on their platform. Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it's someone like Tiafimo Lopez. I don't know. Or maybe they just do the little one-offs and buy a show here, buy a show there. If the shows are profitable, I think they're going to stick around. But this one between Lopez and Cambosis, I don't know how you make money in that show because that that show is not worth, that fight itself is not worth what they paid for it. <clears throat> Let's see. Yeah, a few of you guys talking about the Tyson thing. Uh, Al on the chat, Al Daguerre is asking, anything on Triple G's next fight? No, man. I, I You know, honestly, Triple G has kind of gone the route of, uh, well, Dim I was going to say Dimitri Bivol, who actually did finally announce a fight. It's not against anyone that we're really interested in seeing, but um, at least he has a fight coming up. But with Triple G, there's a couple names that have been bouncing around. You guys have heard about Murata. You've heard about Mungia. I think it's going to be one of those two guys, but I don't know. But I'm not really sure what's going on with Triple G right now. And it's a shame because he's one of the Top names in the sport. He's to get his ass in the ring and fight. I mean, last year with COVID, everyone kind of got a pass for being inactive last year. It's different right now, man. Shit's opening back up. You can put on a fight in Texas. You can put on a fight in Atlanta, anywhere in Florida. Uh, by the end of May into June, Las Vegas will be open enough where you could start putting on shows there. Top Rank is doing Taylor Ramirez there at the end of May. So there's really no excuse. Get in the damn ring and fight. That's what I got to say. And I'd say that, right? You know, I'd say right to Triple G, man. Fight somebody. What the hell's going on? Trenton Peril saying Berlanga Shishkin. Berlanga Bully Beck. Hell yeah. Berlanga's not ready for either of those guys. They're further along than him, okay? But he needs to step up the opposition. But uh, he might be ready for them very, very soon. But sign me up for any of that, please. All right, guys. That's it. Got the outro music here. We're going to jump off. Actually, you know what? I just lied my ass off because guess what? Just as I was about to jump off, I noticed there's two callers on the line. So I'm going to go take these calls, even though I'm losing my voice. These guys will give me a break. So you guys thought we were done. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to jump over here to the phones. If I could get, uh, let's see. Ah. My screen's freezing up. It won't take the damn call. Hang on. What the hell's going on here? Let's try this again. All right. 
570. If you're still there, you're on the show. Yes. What's up? Thanks, Mike. This is Thad here. Thad, what's going hey, on? Uh, man? Glad you're glad you took my call. Uh look, Terrence Crawford gave him a lot of leeway over the years. I never thought he was truly the pound for pound best because his resume is absolutely horrible. You could actually make a case that Hooker at 47 is better or as good as anyone he's ever fought. Okay? And when he was called out by Virgil Ortiz, who was a little nervous, it was his first big fight, but he took care of business. He made Hooker quit. And Hooker came to fight. I give him credit, too. But Crawford is now deflecting and saying, he doesn't want me, he doesn't want me. While Ortiz is saying, hey, I know I'm not ready. Give me the fight. Yeah. He never spoke of money or all this other bull crap these other guys talk about. No, he's like, give me the fight. And Crawford, who is rumored to be fighting Joseph Cito Lopez, of all people, he basically said, no, nah, he doesn't want me. He, he, he poo-pooed the idea. I have zero respect for Terrence Crawford at this point. I think it's high time he gets pulled off that pound-for-pound, pound, mythical pound-for-pound pound list because he just doesn't want to fight anybody. We say he wants to fight Spence, but hey, he could chase him down and he could take that fight for 30% of the purse. If you think you could beat somebody, go ahead and do it. You know, it's this entitlement attitude that's killing boxing. And he's the epitome of it right now. And a guy like Virgil Ortiz, my, I take my hat off to him. He's, he's a prospect that wants to step up and fight the best. He did exactly what Teofimo Lopez said. And and Lomachenko, he didn't say he doesn't want me. He, I'm not going to fight him. I need more money. No, Loma stepped up and said, "Here, here's more money for you, Lopez." So I'll that's fight you. That's a good you. point. That's a good point. Yeah, that's yeah. a really really good point. So, I mean, that is a much different reaction. And and you know, to to further add to that, thirty percent of ten million dollars is uh, not bad money. If that's the kind mm-hmm. of money that would be thrown around, um, I don't know how much they'd get for that fight. I honestly think both sides mm-hmm. have deflected because they realize uh, there's yes, just not have. as much money or demand for that fight as they thought there would be. And that's their own fault. That I fight agree. was hot two years ago. Yeah. And they blew it. Yeah. They want to be Maypack again. And that's never going to happen. All these guys that talk about business. If you want to be a businessman, you do what I do. Go to college. Get a degree. Become a businessman. If you want to be a fighter, you get your ass in the ring and you fight. You, let, you hire a manager to be a businessman. Okay? You fight. And these guys didn't. And that's what they get. That fight is cold product. Never gonna, that's never going to happen. They don't want to fight any guys. They want to fight. C-level opposition they know they can beat. And now you've got the young guns calling them out. And it's too late. As soon as Crawford fights Ortiz, I have that as a 50-50 fight, maybe 55-45 for Ortiz. Right now? He has power. I don't know about that right now, well, Thad, because I just Right off the bat, it's I think not going to happen. The gun. But a fight after? The fight after? Absolutely, because he has power. Crawford's never fought a guy with power. He's never stood in front of a guy with power. He, the only time he did that was with Kavilauskas, who was an average fighter who was who had got a draw against Ray Robinson. Okay, Kavilauskas is, you know, he's like a, a lunch pail guy. Crawford stood in front of him, got dropped, and then he knocked him out. He's not going to do that with Ortiz. Ortiz would knock him out if he if he did that. I got to see more from Ortiz before I make that statement. Old, 
I, 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 well, I, let me tell you. At 34, you lose your reaction time. And Crawford's a reaction-type fighter where his reflexes are everything. He lost a step. I saw that with Kel Brook. Kel Brook was a shot fighter, and he touched him up for a couple rounds with that jab and a couple of other combinations. Crawford's not the same fighter he was four years ago. So he's going to be a sitting duck by the time he, he fights Ortiz, and he's going to get knocked out. I mean, I've handicapped a lot. of I've watched a lot of fight films during COVID. You know, and I've made a lot of bets, and I studied. And Crawford, as soon as he steps up to one of these one of these guys coming up, he's going to lose because he hasn't had that competition. He's 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 frozen right now, frozen in time. His best is is behind him, and now if he fights a top level guy, an A list guy, he's going to get beat. That's my opinion, but <laughs> I've done my homework on this subject. He, he's, uh, you're he's on the record. You're on the record. Your opinion's not going to be yes, popular. I, uh, I, I will say this much. Okay. Um, you know, I'm on the ring ratings committee. If, uh, if Crawford doesn't fight a top fighter this year, I don't think we're going to take him mm-hmm. off the pound for pound list, but he's going to slide significantly because I'm with you. And by the way, this, it's, this is the same thing for Gennady Golovkin and f- other fighters like that. These guys have to fight. Let's be right. fair. Gennady Golovkin. They do. He needs yeah. to fight. So these guys are going to be off the pound for pound list, and some of these new young guns are going to be taking their place. So you're on the record, Dad. You know, I'm. Yeah, and I'm. A, I'm a. I'm going to admit, I, I'm a Triple G's my my guy. I'm a fan of his, but I'm going to say the same thing you did. He has to fight. You know, he's an older guy, so he gets a pass on certain details, but he has to fight because he ain't getting any younger. And now's the time he's got to do it. But um, you know, Crawford. <laughs> There's no mercy for him anymore. We enabled him to this point. We're part to blame. We gave him this pound for pound status he never earned. Yeah, they say I test this, I test that. Well, if you yeah, but he, he test, well to be he, fair, Thad. Let's let's not forget. Okay, he at 135 he went over to the UK and won a title. Then he moved up to 140 and cleaned Robert out Spider, the division. Ricky Burns. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm not. He didn't beat anybody that's going to the Hall of Fame. Okay, but um. He did beat uh, Postal, an undefeated Postal, who I think is a good quality prize fighter, a world level fighter. I'm not calling him a pound for pound guy, but he's a quality fighter. Yeah, he's a gatekeeper. But I a don't think gatekeeper. he's he's more than a gatekeeper. Respect to that. He's more than a, I'd put him as more than a gatekeeper, especially at that time. But he was a top ten guy, and he's fought a couple of decent top ten guys. But I'm with you. Look. For a while, yeah, it really was politics holding Crawford back. I mean, the PBC didn't even. They pretended he didn't exist. They didn't include him in their graphics. Oh, that goes without saying. Okay, but They're I'm with horrible. you now where it's beyond that. This is on Crawford now. It, this it is, is to the point where, okay, mm-hmm. we can only blame the PBC and Fox and all this for so, for so long. This is on Crawford now. And I'll say the same thing about Gennady Golovkin. Yeah, he got screwed over against Canelo Alvarez the first time around, maybe even the second time around. But that was years ago. And you, you kind of rode off that for a while now. Get your ass in the ring and fight. Uh, these guys need to get in the ring and fight. Yeah. So uh, I just want to be Against fair Lundia, across the board. That would be the best fight. Yeah. No doubt. And, you know, in closing, I want to switch really quick. I sent you a, a, a photo of, of somebody posting about Deontay Wilder and um, how it's now being put out there as, as gospel that he got ten five to $10 million to step aside for the Tyson Fury-AJ fight. And that was put out by supposedly Max Kellerman, who I think – it was his opinion. And there's guys, well, here's what really makes me crazy. There's guys online that are cheering 
like Deontay Wilder just unified the heavyweight division because he got step aside money. They're all vindicated now saying, I told you so, I told you so. Deontay Wilder is, is the guy at heavyweight and he controls everything. These people are sick, sick in the head. It's the world and, we live in now on social you know, media. No, it's weird. True. And it, and I mean, Max Kellerman put that out there and it, and it got a lot of publicity and a lot of uh, tabloids like the sun and the mirror and the, in the UK and, and these fans, fan boys, you could call them. They're acting like Wilder just won something significant where it's money. They're celebrating money. That has to say something. It, it says has a to lot say about character where we're at in this world, not, not only in boxing, but what are these people like, where is their dignity? You know, to to be a fan of money, where your favorite fighter is getting paid to step aside and not fight. Yeah, my thing is this too. Like sobering thought. Max Kellerman is one of these guys that puts out. um, I guess clickbait. He's not the only one. Stephen A. Smith is another one. Uh, Who's the guy that used to be at ESPN? Now he's at Fox Sports. Uh, He's an older guy. I can't think of his name. But there's a few of these guys, and they just Raphael. No, no, no. He's um, uh, he's not a boxing guy, but he t- every now and then talks about boxing. But he Skip Bayless, Skip Stephen Bayless, Smith, yeah. He, oh, so, Skip Bayless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> these guys just say shit to get a reaction. The, the problem is, yeah, there's don't. a lot of younger fans out there and stuff that look at them as uh, news sources when they're not. And look, yeah. Wait till Ring reports about it. Wait till Boxing Scene reports about it or, or, or another reputable boxing platform that covers this sport exclusively. When they report it, then you can then it's news. But until then, it's yep. bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to go, man. It, like, I got another call here. I got to jump to. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks, right. Dad. I appreciate right. it, man. I'm going to take this call real quick, but I got a super chat. Hold on. Where's my mouse? Hold on, guys. My uh my mouse just froze. Damn it. What the hell just happened? Well, give it a second here. Super chat pledge from Tiny Tim. He says, look at Google Trends. Them wilder channels have achieved nothing. Yeah, I've heard about that. I don't I don't get involved in the Google Trends and all that, but I did see a couple of tweets go around, like a couple of reports talking about that, um, comparing Wilder's Google Trends to Tyson Fury's here in the United States and globally, and Fury trends more. Um, and there, there have been peaks where Wilder has quickly peaked up and had like a little viral moment, uh, you know, to this day and like all that kind of stuff. But all in all, man, um, yeah, they, those guys really haven't achieved what they wanted to. It was um, just a lot of nonsense, and they're kind of being laughed at. It's interesting that they celebrate a dude getting step-aside money when it hasn't even been reported by a reputable news source. All right, let's jump to one more call here real quick, guys. Uh, 818, you're on the show. Go. Hey, what's up, Mike? I hope everything's good, bro. Um, I just wanted to comment. um, I don't know if you went through this because I kind of got your show late here, but um, do you know if uh, the Linares and uh, Haney is confirmed? I believe so. Let me double check real quick. But yes, I do believe so. Um, I know everything's agreed to. Uh Yeah, everything's agreed to. The only thing I don't know is if they had a venue. Let me double check. 
Um, but the yeah, terms. No, it, it's supposed to be at the. It's supposed to be the day before uh, Ramirez and Taylor fight, which is crazy and great for boxing fans. But dang, a lot. You know, take a hit on my wallet here. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's not official. I'm actually I'm checking the schedule. Uh, it's not official yet, so I don't know what the hell is going on. So, hey, are, hey, are you going to be going to them if, if, if it's official? Uh, I don't know. It really depends on how all the assignments get split up. Um, they might send me to Texas for Canelo Saunders. Uh, I know Doug really wants to go for the Taylor Ramirez fight. That's the one he really wants to cover. So I'm not sure, man. Uh, it just really depends on how the assignments get split up. Oh, man. Hey, a quick question, bro. I was wondering, what, what do you think the, the um, ticket price is going to be like? It really depends on the venue where they put it and everything. But I would imagine for that fight, you're going to be able to get $50 seats and uh, it'll be fairly cheap. I, I believe so. It's not going to be, you know, a thousand dollar ringsides or anything. I, I just don't think they could do that. But um, no, I think it, the tickets would be fairly cheap. Um, I would imagine, but I, I, it really depends on the venue, brother. If they go in Vegas or if they take it to like Texas or Florida or something like that, it really changes the dynamic of that whole thing. Damn, bro. Yeah, because uh, I mean, I already got my my trip already to Vegas for the Josh Taylor. But if I can't get tickets for that one, it'd be great to get the Haney and Menares one. But uh, hey, another quick thing, man. You know, I, I've been I was on Twitter hearing a lot of things about Virgil Ortiz going up against Crawford. You know. Right. Um, Hear kind of mixed re- hear kind of mixed reactions, but you know, regardless of if you win or lose too early or not too early, or you know, advising him not to because of his career, I honestly think we should all actually encourage him to fight him, and we should all, you know, instead of saying no, yeah, you know, no this, no that because of this, because of that, let's just all go in it, you know, as fans be like, you know what, go for it, go for it, no, you know, no if or yeah. but, just because, you know, I mean, that's like that's a great fight, man, and. You know, I'm hearing, you know, um, that Crawford does have the edge. Yeah, he does, but I'm telling you right now, man, Ortiz is, uh, he, he, he means business. I, I don't know, bro. He, he actually could be, you know, the one. Yeah. But it's, it's it'll be a hard fight, man. But, I mean, all, all I got to say is, like I said, like, you know, um, there's a lot of opinions, but really, we should just all be – saying yes, 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 yes to that fight, no matter what, you know, I mean, on, on the business side, obviously, there's going to be a lot of concern and a lot of talk, but, you know, from Ortiz's standpoint, he wants to go, <laughs> you know? Yeah, if he, so, if he wants it, I, no, I'm with uh, you, man. Look, did, did Canelo fighting Mayweather hurt Canelo's career? I don't think it did. Yeah, no, definitely not. No, yeah. Definitely not. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's it just, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, the more people bringing up that whole business side or not ready side, probably discourage, you know, anybody who sees uh, these these comments and tweets from Ortiz's side or promoters are like, ah, maybe they're right, you know, just feel like, you know, everybody should just be on board and be like, you know, what, let's do it. Let's 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 go ahead and give them that fight, you know, but um, just too much, too much uh you know, I'm not ducking, but, you know, ducking and talk and no fights going on right now that we really want. But hopefully, yeah. you know, hopefully PVC does ha- come out with a big uh, schedule at the end of the year. Because, like, you know, like you've been saying, it's 
looking really bad for them right now. And uh, I just read up my Showtime description, and uh, you know what? That's it's not rough. paying off for me. <laughs> yeah, that's rough, man. If but, you just uh, did they- that subscription to Showtime. I do think that like in the second half of the year, PBC is going to announce a big slate of fights. Like, like probably so at some point in the summer, they'll announce fights for like the late summer through the fall, and it'll be a pretty good schedule. But it's going to include several pay per views. Yeah, but I mean, you, you know, I know that but you're you're talking Fox as well. I mean, yeah. I think those are the pay per views most likely. But you know, I mean, it's just a really a real shame. You know, all the talent that they have, and you know, I, I agree. mean, hey, they've given us good fights. Don't get me wrong. You know, what Porter and um, Thurman, you know, Garcia, uh, Porter, but you know, overall, look at that man. Look at the waste of talent, and uh, it, it's just a shame because. You, you know, like you said, it is. It actually represents a big part of the American boxing scene, and yeah. they're not doing uh, good for the sport. But, uh, anyways, bro, man, uh, if you do go to uh, Vegas fights over there, and I get, you know, I, I get, I get to those fights myself, man. I'll, I'll give you a quick uh, Twitter holler and right. see where you at, brother. All right, we'll do it. That sounds good, man. Take, take it easy, brother. Have a good day, and take care of yourself. You too, man. Thanks for calling in. All right, brother. All right. All right, guys. Good show, man. Hour and a half. Another hour and a half show. Man, we're just lining them up, man. Lining them up and uh, doing some great shows lately. I had a lot of fun, guys. We'll do it again uh, Monday. So uh, enjoy the fights this weekend, all right? I'll see you later.